Welcome to the IAB UK podcast. Hello, James here, and you're listening to the IAB UK podcast. This week, it's a special episode from our last Thursday Club event, recorded live on, you guessed it, last Thursday. And this month, it was a wholly agreeable conversation in the round on realising the potential of programmatic digital out-of-home. Around the table, I was joined by Layla Sophie from VIEW, Omnicom Media Group's Melinda Clo, and Chloe Wells from Global's DAX. There's loads that we get into. Uh, what's exciting people about programmatic digital out-of-home, how agencies are structuring themselves for it, and where does the UK stand when it comes to a global view? Global with a small g, of course. And we finish with some yay or nay on the faux digital out-of-home trend dominating our LinkedIn feeds and touch on TikTok's latest out-of-phone launch. Here's the conversation. Enjoy. I thought we would start, maybe start us off later. You guys have done a big State of the Nation report, which you do. You look at loads of different markets, attitudes towards what's going on in digital out-of-home. Give us a sense of anything there that surprised you or took you by surprise. Yeah, so the report itself is done yearly, crossing the big six markets, where they speak to a lot of agency execs globally and different people in the industry, understanding the state of programmatic out-of-home now and then the future of it. Mm. So there was definitely loads of good insights. I think for the UK particularly, there's a huge upward trajectory expected in the next 18 months of about 30% growth. It's key to note that all of the markets definitely move at a very different pace. Right. But yeah, it seems that the gaps in agencies and in the industry are finally closing, which is really good to see and really positive. And where does the UK stack up in terms of other markets? It's really difficult to say because programmatic out of home as a channel, the markets aren't moving in like the same speeds as like other digital channels. Mm. It's really unusual, but they're coming up definitely up fast behind, you know, all of the other markets, US, Germany, Australia, obviously Germany and Australia are quite strong so far, which again is quite unusual for programmatic, but they're leading the charge at the moment. So UK is definitely seeing a huge uplift this year. Yeah. I mean, you guys work in UK roles, but MG, big global network, is anything when you sort of think about the UK, I mean, there's lots of thought that we're probably market leading. It's always, we're probably just behind the States. Anything there that sort of surprises you, Mel? There wasn't anything that surprised. I don't necessarily think it's the UK lagging behind. Mm. I think there's certainly things within the industry that have helped in the last 12 months that have opened up growth opportunities. So even, I say, simple things like standardisation of kind of the technical specifications, right? That was only coming into play, was it November 2022? So the ability for systems to be able to talk to each other in a standardised way, conforming to open RTB specs, you know, that's still fairly recent. And I think that did help open up some of the conversations and opportunities, and that would have affected all markets. And I don't think it's a case that the UK was lagging behind. Mm. It feels as if, you know, with some of the European counterparts, we're sort of moving at a similar mm. pace. What we anticipate is that pace is going to now grow exponentially. Yeah. The education piece around the differences between direct buys and programmatic buys. Yeah. And that's been huge in this market, I think. Tell me a bit about OMG and how you guys are structured. Is it out-of-home people that have got skilled up in doing programmatic or is it that sort of classic search social skill set that are the people that are doing this now? 
I think the agency structure, particularly with some of the bigger agencies, that's where it's been a conversation around what skills are needed to be mm. able to do this with an expert lens. So with us at Omnicom, we work really closely with out-of-home buying specialist Talon, who help us understand the market. Now, what we needed to do is when we're buying programmatically, and we've worked with Talon and we've worked with the Trade Desk to look at bringing some of that data some of the expertise into mainstream DSPs. Mm -hmm. Right now, in terms of the planning, that is done by out-of-home specialists because they are the ones that have that lens around, you know, what formats work, how to bring in proper planning data, how to develop the measurement frameworks in terms of proving the effectiveness of this channel. Mm. We have to remember that programmatic is not a channel, it is a way of buying. <laughs> so... When it comes to the, the planning element of things, you really do need to be bringing in that expertise. From the activation point of view, right now when we're buying across DSPs, we are using programmatic teams to mm -hmm. activate because those are the people that are knowledgeable about how to leverage DSPs in the right way, to yeah. be able to use the features in the right way, and then bring everything together across different channels. So thinking about how does out-of-home interplay mm -hmm. with CTV, with video, with display, etc., and thinking about this omni-channel story which brings in the role of why you're doing it through a DSP. Tell me a bit about the DAX journey. 2018 doesn't feel that long ago. I mean, everything before COVID feels like a long time ago, but <laughs> Global have been doing this forever and ever. Tell us about how that's been advancing since the big disruption in the industry. Yeah, of course. Well, I think Global have, whilst they don't have legacy in out of home necessarily, what they have got legacy in is taking a traditional channel mm. and migrating that into the pragmatic world. And, you know, there's a lot of learnings to be had from that, I think that DAX Outdoor is at the start of its journey, yeah. about three and a half years old. There's lots of things that we're getting back from the market. There's landings that we're taking from the market. What we really need to be able to continue to move forward is the support from those bigger agency groups to help the omni-channel DSPs mm. to sophisticate their mm. out-of-home model. Yeah. It's a very nuanced channel, mm. one that you say does require specialists does require specialist knowledge. However, I think the market is going to demand that it moves much quicker than that. Yeah. And therefore, I think we all need to drive on both sides, those omnichannel DSPs, to generate the planning tools that's needed for that growth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I always said, actually, when I was worked in digital, I always thought if I could have like a second subject, it always would have been out of home because it's where all the exciting, famed stuff happens. <laughs> Do you think programmatic has sort of put another spring in the step of digital out of home, transformed it in some way? Is it given it another dimension? It's created an entirely new revenue stream. Mm. So being able to work with DSPs and using data to target audiences in a completely different way is the evolution of it. So you can have, you know, a campaign running on a direct basis yeah. and then one running on an omnichannel DSP with completely different goals, using mm. different data. It achieves like a completely different campaign yeah. and a completely different message as well. So yeah. that's really important. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd say it's given us a seat at tables that we never would have had before. Mm. So, you know, being able to talk about us in the mix with other like CTV yeah. and things like that, something that out of home, I don't think ever would have dreamt of 10 years ago. We're the most traditional media, I think, <laughs> that you can find out there. The slowest to move, arguably, as well. But what I think is important when you think about the fact that it is transforming the channel is that we don't forget those legacy things that out of home has always delivered and will still always deliver like yeah. the stature and the fame you yeah. know like 
you said it's a tool, not a strategy. So yeah. we need to remember what it's adding strategically yeah. whilst also running really fast at making this tool better and quicker and, and yeah. more sophisticated. There's that sort of tension you have to sit with, which is we don't want to completely throw out the baby with the bathwater and suddenly <laughs> all that out of him, that brilliant stuff we used for before because this shiny new thing is here. <laughs> but finding a way to complement them in the <laughs> pitch and I guess how you sell it back to advertisers as well. Exactly, yeah. At the moment, you know, we're very much talking about it from a complementary role. Yeah. Now that can be with, you know, campaigns that are using things from a direct basis because, you know, ultimately there is not the infrastructure, the actual inventory from a reach perspective to purely be, you know, programmatic digital out of home. Yeah. But for clients from an efficiency point of view, thinking about how do you use the programmatic buying to develop different ways of delivering your campaign, bringing in the additional data, thinking yeah. about how you're layering on <clears throat> signals, either from you know different data perspective, thinking about how you plan against different audience data, or thinking about how you use programmatic technology to react to real world environment mm -hmm. signals to switch your campaigns on and off. Yeah. We talk a lot about you know the beauty of dynamic creative within mm. out of home and there's you know some amazing executions you don't necessarily need to be buying programmatically to do really good dco but what it does allow you to do is be more efficient yeah. mm -hmm. when you want to only serve a message during a particular Got trigger it. or event. Yeah. So to turn on and off your campaign and talk to clients about efficiently using that media budget, less wastage, mm. that becomes a very compelling story for certain briefs. Yeah. So, you know, that's where we're talking to clients and thinking about how do we leverage the technology to do something really interesting here? Yeah, the agility is feels like a sort of superpower here yeah definitely yeah we've definitely um managed like campaigns at like global scale which are triggered by dco yeah. and you know activated by different moments and it gives a stronger engagement it makes efficiency of budget as you said and you know brands are also facing an, an economic crisis too so mm. using budgets more efficiently and more sensibly is really important and yeah. dco just like it creates that stronger engagement and that stronger fame effect as well, I think. And, and I wonder as well, it's, it's, it's a really interesting point you make on, you know, it, there's no doubt we're still cost of living crisis. We're still picking up post-COVID. Budgets are being squeezed. CFOs are hooking, you know, marketers into them going, lose me 20%. The, the question is, well, which 20% is it? Mm. Th there's something in programmatic and automation having been around and established it for a while that kind of means it's not the shiny new thing that's on the testament bit of the media plan that's going to get chopped when, when budgets get, get squeezed, maybe. I would argue that it's hard to get onto the plan in the first place because I think we're still in relative infancy mm -hmm. of the channel and we still need a lot of proof in the pudding. And that I think is the maybe the missing part of the puzzle at the moment, that yeah. um, we're in a slightly nervous economy. Yeah. And brands need proof more than ever. <laughs> I mean, some of, you know, if we want to be playing in the same uh, or fishing in the same pond as like, you know, the metas of this world. For every pound that's yeah. spent there, they can prove how many burgers McDonald's sell. Yeah. You know, that's, I guess, a, a gold star for us yeah. to be aiming for. And, yeah. and I think probably the biggest part of, part of work that we've still got to do. Yeah. 
Yep. Is is there a big measurement debate here still? I mean, I feel, I feel like whatever we're talking about, whether it's gaming or if influencer marketing, retail media, measurement again and again feels like this thing that slightly pulls the handbrake on because we still haven't really cracked it. Is it still coming up, still an issue? It's definitely coming up as an mm. issue, but we've actually started really focusing on measurement. It's a huge focus for us for 2024. Yeah. But not just like throwing on measurement to get a budget up to a certain level. We're, you know, going through a whole process of feasibility, seeing if it's actually going to be a campaign that can be measured well, as in, are there goals, you know, good, is the creative, like, delivering the right message? But yes, it is. I think we had a big brand run with us for quite some time, and then after a while they were like, we actually do want to see how this is being measured before we continue. Mm. And that was after about eight months. Yeah. So being able to prove that, and yeah, we're now working with partners that are able to help measure out of home, but I do still think that probably needs work. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree on that. We've done a lot of work thinking about how to develop the right measurement strategies around this because it's not necessarily the fact that buying programmatically is going to you know, be more effective, mm. but it might bring in different layers. So for example, in one campaign, what we were able to do is look at you know, the proxy out of home exposure and then look at on-site conversions mm. for a client. And actually that opened up really interesting conversations with the client because it's not something that they've been able to do before. Yeah. So this was the first time that they could actually understand you know, what then happened from that exposure what it meant and that's led into further questions around how to develop things around creative measurement Mm. geo measurement so being able to lean into this area and utilize um, the connections that programmatic technology can give you allow you to have different conversations with clients it's not a case that you know buying programmatically versus digital out of home directly is going to be any different. The role of the channel of digital out of home is something that people should really focus in on and then use the programmatic technology to elevate some of your measurement opportunities. Very nicely put. It wouldn't quite be an IB event if we didn't talk about AI or we didn't talk about attention. We did. We were sat at this very table some months ago talking about the big A and little A and attention. (laughs) You guys fare pretty well when it comes to attention metrics. Good thing, bad thing, faddy going to change the way we think about effectiveness attention Mm. attention's outdoors number one usp right (laughs) like we were talking about this beforehand if you want to be famous get it on a billboard right like Mm. stature fame that's all things that we've done since the dawn of time i think how is anyone going to measure attention? Yeah. <laughs> probably more a question for you guys. You guys are probably a bit closer to that than we are. But It does get us further along the continuum of, certainly in a digital world where all we really had at one point were clicks and how many people saw it. Then we were able to tell whether something was on screen and someone actually viewed it because we realised that you can't get attention unless you view it. And then we've kind of got to, we're getting nearer and nearer to the McDonald's how many burgers have you sold type thing, aren't we? Not quite the finished thing, but it's getting us closer and closer. But luckily for us, the rest of the industry is moving to the short form content, right? Mm. 10 seconds. And we've run 10 seconds on screen since digital out of home was in its inception phase. Very nice. Everyone's aligning, right? (laughs) The the Venn diagrams are all sort of coming together. AI, I guess, is the other one that everyone's sort of wrestling with, everyone getting very interested in gen AI, partly because we can all go and play with it and sort of see how marvellous it is. I think if you talk to people that have worked in programmatic for a long time, it's like, well, it's nothing new for us because it's actually been powering a lot of the algorithms and a lot of the sophistication before. AI will play a role here, but we don't need to get too hung up on it, maybe. 
you know, in any of this space, AI is going to be playing a role, mm. whether it's, you know, ability to help get to better insights, whether it's an ability to kind of do creative adaptations more mm. cost efficiently, mm. or whether it's just thinking about how to, you know, create uh, different personalization, you know, from thinking about different interests and, yeah. you know, right message, right time, etc. So I think there's definite opportunity in here. And obviously out of home is ripe for thinking about all of those signals and how to interplay, you know, location format panel you know audience exposure all of that combined yeah Mm. it has felt like for a long time in uh, online display anyway we've got very very hung up on the sort of the media metrics of Mm -hmm. stuff and maybe the focus hasn't been so much on the creativity i think when you start to look out at home it's just Mm -hmm. this incredible creative canvas partly by its placement and by its size Mm -hmm. this does feel like if you were a sort of a new creative graduating from that Watford course and getting I mean this would be somewhere where you'd want to play I mean it's like an amazing toolkit to play we talked about DCO but it's digital creativity kind of the creme de la creme here yeah I think creative is so important you can build a great campaign you know fill it with loads of data create a great strategy but if the creative doesn't deliver the message then it can be a complete failure yeah so yeah creative is definitely really important plus it's just always really nice to see and i think if people put themselves in the shoes of the consumer and think about what would you want to see like what would be the message so yeah i think it's really really important Mm. what are you most excited about when it comes to programmatic digital if i want to give it we need another acronym (laughs) p-r-d-o-o-h purdue (laughs) for me I think it's the bridge that mm. Pragmatic Outdoor can provide from the digital world to the real world. Yeah. You know, like we can start to take all the things that these guys do really well and we can deliver them mm. when people are out doing all the things that we're trying to make them do yeah. over here. Yeah. That for me is the exciting bit. And yeah, we've got a journey to get there, but that's the part that I think is really interesting. Yeah. I agree with Chloe on that in terms of the bridge and thinking about our understanding of the interplay of different channels together. So thinking about, you know, what happens when you see an out-of-home ad and a CTV ad and a display ad and thinking about that user journey, because ultimately thinking about what your brand's objective is in the different ways that you might want to expose your creative message, you really do need to be thinking about all of these channels and how your user is going to be consuming media in different ways. It's going to be very different from doing, you know, a big brand campaign to thinking about, say, you know, out of home screens at point of sale and, you know, the increase of screens within stores, for example, thinking how do you get that final connected you know, commerce piece and get somebody to be buying either right there and then in store or on their phone. Mm -hmm. So just this whole interplay of the omni-channel piece and really connecting shoppable moments right the way through out of home has so much potential in this area. Yeah, very nice. For you, Leila. Yeah, same. I mean, I agree with both of you and it's just evolving constantly. Mm. The growth is really fast. I think when digital first became available programmatically, the knowledge around programmatic itself was like minimal but now we're also knowledgeable and it's more transparent as well it's just going to grow so much faster but i just think yeah it's evolving all the time there's always new possibilities Mm. and it's going to be quite interesting i think over the next few years i've always had a bit of a chip on my shoulder maybe the ib has as well but i'll speak for myself (laughs) that digital gets bucketed in this sort of bottom of the funnel performance dr driven thing that's not really ever been the case without home this sort of bolsters that argument that you can build brands using digital, but you've got, you know, just extra things to sort of do it now. Do you ever feel like the sort of the move towards programmatic is more enticing or more likely to get 
performance related budgets and people that want to sell free sim cards and you know at huge volumes or can we still do the brand building bit I mean, ultimately, it's a one-to-many still, mm. right? Even with all of the data that you want applied to it, you're just targeting the refined many. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it can still do both. And I think being able to put a brand on there, talking to the right people about the right thing at the right time, you're still going to pick up mm. some of the ether as well. Yeah. You're still going to get your brand on those big sites. It's still doing exactly what Out of Home does at its yeah. core. You know, just because you see an advert for a film that isn't necessarily one you want to watch doesn't mean you might not talk about it to someone who yeah. is going to go see it. Just a point on sites, if you look at the whole DAX network, is all of that available through programmatic board or will it be in phases? Will there be bits that kind of come, bits that you have to do direct, bits that... In terms of our digital estate, the majority is on there. There's a few little parts of the London Underground. Um, the spe- special bits, the really nice bits. <laughs> the bits that require a bit more tech. Right, okay. The, the things that I can't speak to because I'm not techy enough. <laughs> I believe there was some panels that were causing some issues. Right. But other than that, yeah, I mean, our, our mission is that DAX basically gives advertisers access to all of Global's Got it. digital, premium digital estate yeah. is the line that I need to, I needed to get over. Yeah, very good. <laughs> and, and same for you guys, I guess. Yeah, everything in the UK is available programmatically, apart from like a couple of frames, I think. But globally, they're just rolling them out gradually. Yeah. So yeah, everything will be there and ready to buy. I remember when it was all about digital at home and actually, you know, you're digging holes to putting, you know, panels in the ground rather than do paper that took such a long time and investment to do but i guess it's a bit more turnkey this is just switching things on rather than you know, digging holes and putting things well, i around. wish it was that easy <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the tech team sounds like it'll be that easy it's just the button you got to tick, yeah you fine. think of it that way well that's a switch i'm gonna zoom out a tiny bit and talk about some sort of zeitgeisty things i mean my whole linkedin feed as of about a month ago is just filled with maybelline eyelashes and giant condoms and all yes. this. <laughs> yeah. That proves it. For the people listening to the podcast, we're looking at some of the things, the condoms that I've just mentioned. The gym box thing on top of the bus. This sort of faux out of home feels very of the moment, the sort of, you know, topic du jour. Given you're all out of home experts, I'd love to get your take on it because I, I see this sort of very binary, isn't it brilliant? And yeah, you don't have to go actually buy the space anymore to, well, that's just a mad thing to say. What it's do you different, think? Mona? It's a different level of engagement. Yeah. They're trying to do it backwards. So if, you know, <laughs> I think Chloe said before, if an actor is on a billboard, they'll tend to take a photo of themselves in front of their billboard and then post it on social, but they're trying to work that backwards. But the engagement on social media is so different to the engagement when you're actually seeing an ad out of home. Like it's the mindset change. Like when you're looking at your phone or looking at your computer to walking around the streets and being in a specific location. So Mm -hmm. I think as someone actually said this to me earlier at work, there's room for exploitation, Mm. but yeah, they're just trying to work backwards and it just doesn't have the same effect engagement wise. It's got us talking about it, which is good at advertising asking any questions about it? Is it a hotly debated at OMG Towers? I wouldn't say hotly debated. I mean, it's an interesting area because I think you're right in the fact that, you know, it will have a softening effect, right? Ultimately, the brands that are doing this, they want to get this out onto social media. They want the headlines are going, wow, look at this. And obviously then it's all shared. That's not the same aspect when somebody's posting that once Mm. rather than lots of people seeing it in the real life and actually sharing that amongst their friends. And, you know, that's ultimately the power of kind of influencers, right? Mm. For me, it's about transparency in terms of, you know, brands who might want to do this, just being transparent about exactly what it is. Is this something that has been fabricated and, you know, is just there for people to see and share and think, oh, isn't that a nice idea? Rather than 
being in the real life. Supporting Derek yeah. Kibbeur, because I must admit, when I saw the maybe the eyelashes staying like it wasn't <laughs> evident whether it was kind of real or not. And then you sort of think, well, does it really matter? Mm. Maybe it does mm. matter. Chloe, what do you think? Isn't it flattering that they feel the need to use out of home to generate talkability? Like, that's, that's, that's a great narrative. Yeah. Well, and again, yeah. it's kind of got everyone talking about out of home, which is kind of yeah. a nice yeah. thing. It's got those voices. It's uh, free publicity. You can go through hundreds of TV ads where, you know, they focus on out of home ads within the TV advert yeah. as well. You know, it's, it's been done before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just funny though, isn't it? Because these are the types of ideas that, you know, you kind of talk about maybe yeah, on each stage. Like, Wouldn't it be amazing? <laughs> and you know, all these things and you kind of go, these are the big ideas. Yeah. And, yeah. and then you go, no, that'll set fire to the underground. Yeah. You can't do that. And it'll actually cost six million pounds. Yeah, yeah. So absolutely. It's, it's kind of cool to see how, yeah. you know, mm. tech has brought it to, to mm. sort of life so yeah. that people can actually take it from you know, pitch room idea into something that people could perceive as real. But as I said, for me, it's just about being transparent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And last one to touch then, another very new thing is TikTok launching out of phone. I don't know if anyone's seen that. I mean, this kind of seems fascinating. The idea that... I've slightly riffing here that within your sort of TikTok ads manager, you know, you've made an ad for TikTok and you could start to put that on a big billboard or you could put it in a cinema. I think they describe it as other screens as well. Thoughts on that? I feel like we've been telling the industry to even TikTok saying, don't build ads, build TikToks, build stuff for our screen. And now we're saying, oh, let's take something that was built for this screen. We're going to put it on this big billboard. I'm confused. It's the same as what you said. Like, it's a compliment. Like, (laughs) they're a social media channel and they think Mm. out of homes where they want to be. So they're trying to get a piece of the pie as well. Yeah. Not just TikTok famous, but you get like proper famous maybe. I've worked in cinema as well and Mm. we would absolutely be custodians of the fact that if you're creating an ad, it needs to be right for the space. This feels a little jarring. Yeah. Yeah. I think they've obviously done it to try and make it easy for, you know, people, brands that maybe don't have the infrastructure or the agencies to support them or, or the creative teams to support them to create different assets, right? So it makes it really easy, but ultimately you're going to get more effective use out of channels if you make creative for the space. And yeah. That ultimately is what any media owner in any channel will talk about, whether you talk about streaming, TV, cinema, out-home, yeah. TikToks. Mm. You go to the social channels and they'll say, you know, make sure that you're creating different assets, like different messages based on the different formats they have. So it seems a bit misaligned, Mm -hmm. but ultimately the reason they're doing it is to just make it easy for people that don't have the capacity to do that. Yeah, little D to C, SME brand, and maybe run, yeah, that's interesting. We talked about you guys buying prime site, buying outdoor platform. This feels, it's an industry that's sort of used to disruption, I suppose. And this feels like the sort of latest disruption in it. And I wonder who might follow suit. You heard it here first on the IBUK podcast. Um, <laughs> I'd love to turn it over to the room and see if there's any questions. We've got one at the back. Me again. The first question put to the panel came from a far corner of the room, so our mics didn't pick it up. But it was from someone who worked for a medium-sized agency and asked the panel how we, as an industry, can make the channel accountable and who's driving that. Here's what the panel had to say. That's the evolution that's coming this year. It's the capabilities for targeting on DSPs that are evolving, giving you the ability to set up campaigns with, you know, certain day parting and things like that. Things like proof of play, everything's going to evolve with those different metrics that really give you, like, proof of your campaign success. But it's still an evolution. It's one of those things that's like a learn 
a test and learn process. But yeah, I totally understand that. Yeah. I, I 100% agree. I think the message around sort of the beauty of programmatic, right, is that it's made this inventory available that ultimately you perceive that you can go into a platform, click on some digital sixes and off you go, right? And there are people that will be doing that. But I'm sure what you've learned is that it is really not as simple as that. And that's not doing the due diligence of quality buying and making sure that, you know, you do understand where the panels are delivering, who you're buying from, transparent supply chain. And this is a different world to other programmatic channels. It requires a different skill set to be able to go into that type of data and detail. And if you roll back, say, I don't know, two years ago, none of that information was really available in the mainstream DSPs, right? So it's only recently that more of that information is actually flowing through the systems. But you're right in that there is maybe a gap, maybe an opportunity to think about how this gets validated. Yeah, I think as well, one thing that we do in every day, especially with working with omnichannel DSPs, is constantly helping them strategize better so that campaigns get higher impact and that they aren't just spending budget for the sake of it or that their budget's not too small. So that education piece is really important. So making sure that you're getting that advice and that understanding, I think is pretty helpful. Good challenge. Thanks. Thanks, Sarah. Question over here, John, tell us where you're from. Uh, John from Vista Media. But this, you look at the market and mm. UK and Europe, you have Lots of smaller, interesting media owners coming up and emerging, and lots of new challenges of media owners either doing sort of specialist D48 networks, specialist D6 networks, and just scaling equally the upscaling of retail media and in the US, mm-hmm. like grocery TV and all that sort of thing. My question is coming from our perspective as Vista, we view screens as screens, not necessarily as media owners, but just where you can get the right audience in front of it. How do you see that? This is kind of probably a more male than anyone else. How do you see that affecting the way you approach digital out of home and the way that you partner with the media owners? Rather than looking at media owners, just looking at the entire mm-hmm. ecosystem and screens for the sake of big screens and audience. And secondly, sorry, this is a bit long. The measurement we use on the big scale is, is root and equivalence yep. in the markets, which is great, but isn't necessarily suited to the smaller mm. challenge brands who don't necessarily figure on the way that root measures things. What's the impact of these small, of the original mm. smaller specialist owners to that measurement? How is that going to work? Mm. Let's, let's do question one first. <laughs> yeah. so many questions. Oh, I needed notes on that one. <laughs> so question one is around thinking about screens rather than sort of media owners, right? I think for us, we probably already are thinking a little bit in that way, but ultimately the big screens, high quality panels, there's only a very small handful of media owners who's providing that inventory, right? So you have to think about who you're going to be talking with, developing those relationships. I think it's always best to do it direct with inventory as well. Obviously using the connectors, because ultimately that's where some of the advancements in how to utilise the technology comes in. But trying to understand, you know, what the inventory is, what it is that provides a different brand or strategy, I think is super important because ultimately, you know, Retail D6s, for example, that's dominated by one particular media owner. So Mm. you kind of have to know that stuff. I think as well, it's also the responsibility of the DSP in your planning tools. How have you got it laid out? 
have you got it laid out by media owner and then audience location? Mm. Because that's how people are going to choose. So I think it's really important to focus on the audience and the targeting methodology before telling them which media owner it is, because otherwise they are going to pick and choose because they know the names. Mm-hmm. Practical point. Mm. And the second question on measurement quickly. The measurement question, I think this is going to be a challenge, right? Because there is an industry standard which is underpinned by Root. It's the same in any other channel, right? So TV underpinned by Barb. So people know and trust that measurement solution and therefore things that are outside of that measurement solution do become harder to talk about because you don't have the same currency to plan or measure in the right way. So for us, I think it comes back to the standardization as in, is there an alternative? You know, if there is a barrier to getting into route for smaller media owners, what is the alternative to have standardization of measurement? And also possibly transparency. Mm. So, you know, if, as long as we're giving advertisers mm. the visibility on what it is that they're buying and how it's been measured, then I guess the power is with them to make the decision. Did you want to come in on that? No, I agree. I think it's, as you said, it, they're trusted providers, like the same as Barb, I think. If another player comes into the space and then like highlights this in a different way, then maybe. But yeah, I think it's something that will probably evolve over time, maybe. Yeah. It's unpredictable. We can do more questions in mingling after drinks, if that's all right, Amelia. <laughs> Final one for you guys, and I'm stealing this with pride from the Tesco retail media up front. Each of you, I would love, what's the sort of the biggest myth that you've heard about programmatic digital out of home that you could dispel? Or what's the thing that keeps coming up that you think, for fuck's oh, sake? Do you know what mine is? You can go first. Frequency. What's your frequency? Right. When you're getting like people that usually buy digital asking you the frequency of a campaign. Right. You can't, I just have to really frankly say we can't count the amount of times a person walks past a frame. Right. I can't do it. The eye tracking is just not there. That's just something that comes up way too much for me. And I feel like sometimes (laughs) my answer could come across rude but it's true that's the only way i can say it yeah nice this is doing a sort of um (laughs) out of home therapy which i quite like now mel what about you i don't know whether it's a dispelling it because i imagine everyone in the room knows this but maybe people listening i think we talk about creative opportunities and i think there's maybe a myth sometimes around like how agile you can really be right and i think It's important for everybody to know that this is near-time decisioning and near-time creative load. So, you know, in in some cases, it can be up to two hours for things to be able to respond for lots and lots of different reasons, right? Really good reasons. Stuff. Exactly. Compliance, the fact that, you know, creative is not automatically approved. It's got to be, you know, seen by the media owners, etc. Again, good reason. Regulations in the space, you need to be very mindful about the messages that you're putting out there. It could be the technical infrastructure of where that panel is and how it's receiving information, Mm. etc. How it's connected to the internet. Loads of different things. So it's just important when you're thinking about the creative opportunities to say like, you know, if somebody is, I don't know, sports match scoring a goal it's not going to be instantaneous that you yeah. can just put that message out there that would be wonderful but yeah you know near time to that's such a good point i think we're hooked on this real time this mm-hmm. sort of instant gratification of something happened very good point the final word the sort of jerry springer's final thought <laughs> is, is with you i was actually going to go down <laughs> the same route because it's the but is it really real time and i mean my thing to that is just does it need to be real time yeah very nice mm-hmm. Good. A powerful, compelling question. Yes, yeah, like a question. Uh, they've been a brilliant panel. Please give it up for Layla, for Mel, and for Chloe. Layla Sophie from View, Omnicom Media Group's Melinda Chloe, and Chloe Wells from Global's DAX there. 
fascinated to see where out of phone goes and who else pivots to digital out of home next watch this space that's it for this week if you can take two minutes a mere 60 seconds to rate and review the pod i'd really appreciate it it just helps make sure people can find it more easily wherever they get their podcasts from we're switching gears to retail media next week but for now thank you very much for listening iab uk building a sustainable future for digital advertising